Blog Talk Radio. you have a, a free lawyer consultation. You know people going to call. <laughs> I, I, I know that's right. 
I know that's right. Well, we, we've got him hanging out in our virtual green room. Uh, the staff in our virtual green room, we try to make sure we keep food in there. And, you know, as of late, I kept, you know, some um, Kentucky Fried Chicken, some Popeyes, too. You know, I just want to, you know, be equal opportunity, as well as, you know, salad, cornbread, collard greens. You know, I didn't have time to prepare anything, so I had to go to KFC and Popeyes. That, that should be okay for our guests, right? Right. I'm glad you got rid of those collard greens and them chitlins that you brought last week because it was stinking up the greenware room. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm, I appreciate that. Well, you know both of those things are good for you, right? Mm. Your heart healthy, I, I think. We'll, we'll pray on that. <laughs> well, I'm just so excited about uh, the music box. Um, before we have our guests, who I know you all are waiting to hear, I just wanted to check with Marvin and see if you heard about the story in the news about the woman uh, who was home alone with her newborn baby. Husband died on Christmas Day of cancer. That's when oh, intruders oh. broke in. Did, did you hear about that? Oh yeah, that's 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 my type. That's my type of woman. I but, will shoot man, you. She got caught. I I just got the chills when I was watching the story because. I could already feel my adrenaline rising. See, because I have mother bear syndrome times five, so if anybody <laughs> messes with my kids, I I just immediately go crazy. So I just give her props for asking the operator if it was okay to shoot the kill, because I wouldn't ask her nothing. I would have been like, I'm going to handle it. <laughs> Nobody's hurting my baby. Nobody. No, that's right. That's right. She she And good so, thing, good thing. Good thing uh, they they knew to stop. I know. Could you imagine being the other person, the second one to come in the door? See, the first one came in and got the shot. The second one. Could you imagine being him? I would have turned around so quick. Yeah, I think I think well, it's it's it's, it's different from in the movies when you know the actors in the movies want to ask a whole bunch of questions. And black people, we don't ask questions. We we may do a little bit of investigating, but typically we run or we just want to handle the situation right then and there. We're not going to get into a dialogue with, Johnny, is that you? Grandma <laughs> oh, always I love my white right brothers up. and sisters. I do. But y'all are just too inquisitive, and sometimes y'all have to take that down a couple of notches. Right. Grandma always said you better call before you come to this house. I know that's right. And speaking of grandma, you know, good news travels fast, and I want to make sure that all of our friends and family out there, make sure you tweet your friends, Facebook your your buddies. You can't tweet grandma. So call up grandma, Medea, all of them, even Pookie, and let them know that the music box is on right now. We've got a great show lined up for you. First, just a little bit of When He Calls Your Name by yours truly, and then the next voice you will hear other than me. And my co-host, my guest co-host, Marvin B. Logic, the teacher, will be attorney James L. Walker, Jr. All right, y'all? So y'all keep it locked to the music box. It's the place where you'll find love inside.
Infinite Dimensions Entertainment is an innovative force that strives to be current and up-to-date with a variety of music, cultures, and styles. We deliver custom-fitting musical compositions, low prices, and publishing opportunities for the best intricate sound, intimate services, and innovative expressions. Look no further. Follow us today on Facebook.com forward slash IDE04 or Twitter.com forward slash Indie04. For the best in publishing, songwriting, and production, we are Infinite Dimensions Entertainment. Again, Happy New Year to everybody. Our first show of 2012, Marvin and our guest. Marvin? Yes, I am there. <laughs> our guest today is James L. Walker, Jr. I call him, I affectionately call him Gospel's leading attorney. <laughs> and I'm sure many people would agree, and we've got him in our green room. Let's check and see. Well, not our green room. It is our virtual green room. Uh, let me see if he is in there. You know, our staff sometimes will harass some of our guests, so I have to tell Shanene and Laquan to just hold it on down. Uh, James, are you there? I'm here. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, James? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, she told me I'm billing you after this hour, so I'm just doing it <laughs> as we speak. So. I know that's right. I was just going to say I feel much safer with a lawyer on the phone. So you should. Tanya, Tanya, take as much time as you need. I'm going to bill him. I just need his <laughs> post office box and his zip code. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, if you just tune in into the music box, we just welcome our special, special <laughs> guest. His name is James L. Walker, Jr., and he's got a, a litany of a bio. But what you need to know about him is that he is the author of This Business of Urban Music. Of course, he's Gospel's leading attorney. That's what I call him. And his peers also feel the same way. And then he's got a whole bunch of other stuff going on, uh, Howard University grad, Yale grad, BA, JD, Masters, the man knows his stuff, and we are just so honored that you would take time out of your busy schedule to be here on the Music Box with us tonight. Oh, well, thank you. I'm honored that you asked me, and I was telling my children it's amazing how through social media you can get these wonderful opportunities. So I thank you for having me. I agree. I could never in a million years, maybe, okay, Ten years ago, would have, I have ever thought that I would be on the phone with you? That's totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to kick off this interview, and Marvin and I both uh, have questions for you. Um, you have a great sense of humor, which is revealed in your book, and we're going to talk about that. But first, tell us just a little bit about yourself, James. You know, if someone would, didn't know you at all and you had to introduce yourself, what would you say about yourself? I would say that, believe it or not, I'm quiet, low-key. Uh, I just enjoy reading and writing. Um, there's a lot of fanfare over the lawsuits that we file and the legal battles that we take on and, of course, the legal analysis that we provide for networks, whether BET or CNN or Court TV or others. But in actuality, I kind of just like to live off the radar, you know. Just I've been in Atlanta now six months, and... Many folks don't know I'm in Atlanta because I've just kind of been laying low, enjoying the wife and kids, and taking it easy. So I think there's uh, 
you know, one obviously branding perception that everyone has, and then there's just you, the person at home, reading your magazine, reading your USA Today. I find it funny that I enjoy Sister to Sister magazine, and I almost feel like it's be manly, but I just really <laughs> find the magazine kind of funny but kind of interesting at the same time. So every time I'm in the store, I'm trying to figure out, like, how can you buy this magazine without anybody seeing you? Maybe I should take a daughter with me or a wife or somebody, you know, and say, yo, yo, grab that sister to sister. But I enjoy Calvin, Tur- Calvin Terrell's post in there, and I, I know Jamie for years, Jamie Foster Brown. So, you know, that's the side of me that I think, you know, doesn't get out enough, you know, that you're not just this pit bull sitting around every day by the fireplace going, let's see, we can sue Tanya today. You heard her last night? She defamed, uh, she defamed, defamed Stephen Hurd. Let's sue her because, you know, that was defamation. Uh, you know, we're going to sue so-and-so because of what they did to the Haddons. You know, we've been representing that. You know, we don't sit around doing that all day. and We don't sit around writing legal briefs and looking at legal, treat- legal treaties and constitutions and asking, you know, did the South African constitution really uphold the premise of a constitution, you know, we don't look at stuff like that. We just, you know, just kind of lay low, lay home, you know, lay back, enjoying life. See, even even when you was playing, I, I got confused right then. See, that's why you need counsel <laughs> right there. I didn't know what you said at the end. It was just what I what, what come out of. Even when you're playing, you got to get <laughs> That's why I should bill you? Is that why you, I need to bill you, just because it's so complicated? I got to write a bill oh. for it? Um, we we love it. We love it. We love it. I love it. Uh, but but I kind of on a serious note, I I counted a blessing. You know, I was watching folks on Twitter about three weeks ago, frustrated that certain people weren't following them or they hadn't connected with certain people. And then I connected with Tanya and a few others. And then I just stepped back and said, even without the social media, just looking across my desk today and the level of contracts and entertainment matters that I'm involved with from A-list artists on down to startup artists just, you know, just made me just kind of say, you know, I can't be mad at anybody. I really can't be mad at anybody. I don't have any regrets. I feel privileged and honored to work with, you know, a who's who of the industry and even a who, who's who not yet of the industry. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, just feel, I feel an honor to work with them all because it's your craft. You know, and you're looking at a contract or you're looking at a TV show or you're looking at a film deal as I was working on today, and it's your craft and trying to shape it to kind of birth that film, that CD, that book, that website. I kind of was working on all four today, you know, with people from wow. all walks of life wow. and the person with the book, you know, we're looking at the manuscript. We're doing a, a file on Coretta Scott King. So we're looking at the manuscripts and we're listening to original tapes of hers. And, you know, it's just, it's just phenomenal to be in that setting. And then on the film side, you know, looking at raising funds to shoot a major urban movie and just things of that nature. Just It's just a blessing to God, and I, and I don't put it lightly. And I, and I tie it into Twitter to say it really doesn't matter who's following you. Just follow God and master what's in front of you. And all that other stuff will, you know, will work itself out. You know what I'm saying? All that other stuff will work itself out. You don't need to really worry about, well, so-and-so ain't following me, and I sent them a request, and I've texted them, and I've, you know, begged them to follow me. Why? Why? Just do you. Just do you, and somebody will come back to them and say, yo, you see what Tanya's doing? And then they'll come follow you if, if, that, if it needs to be that. If not, they're still inspired, you know? Amen. I agree. I agree. And you – you can say that, of course, because you have been, your journey, I mean, just even watching your journey 
Um, man, I, I could go on and on asking you those questions, but this show is not about me. Actually, it is, but I'm just like, <laughs> I want to talk to you about your book, This Business of Urban Music. A lot of independent artists have tuned in tonight, a lot of up-and-coming artists, and um, if they're not aware, um, I hope they will purchase your book tonight. They could get an e-book or they can go to Amazon.com and really all find digital download retailers or bookstores and get your book. But talk to me about why you thought a book like this was necessary. And it was, may I say, uh, before you answer, let I'm me say, sure, I sure. love your writing style. You made that book so easy for someone like me to read that I couldn't put it down. You didn't throw a whole bunch of law jargon my way, and, uh, you know, you you told a lot of memorable stories and used names of people and places that I can identify with and relate with. So I just want to say off off the top, that you have an awesome, easy-flowing, very funny, lighthearted okay. writing style. And I think yeah. that, for me, that was one of the biggest hits of the book. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I thought the book had kind of lost its uh, power. And then about four months ago, out of the blue, Donald Lawrence tweeted, this is my last business suggestion of the year. If you don't have this book by my friend James Walker, grab this book, yada, yada, yada. And it was almost like, God, like we started moving 20, 30, 40 books a week, which for a gospel book is unheard of. Then we did the article, the top 12 reasons that gospel artists are struggling financially, and we had about 12 or 1,500 likes on the article. Now, let me tell you why that's, why that's significant. I've written articles for HLN, BT, CNN, you name it, and we don't get 1,200 likes, much more, you know, that many people uh, sharing it all over Facebook. I see nothing like that in, in writing for those kind of websites, and that's no knock against them. I just think the book, like the article, hit a chord with folks and just resonated at a level that I didn't even expect. I wrote that article like in 20 minutes. I wrote it on my Blackberry <laughs> and emailed it to myself. Wow. You know, I just, wow. you know, I just, I, I just said, write an article like you're talking to Tanya in a restaurant. Tanya says, tell me oh. some reasons why black folks are going broke in the gospel industry. And I just wrote the article for my BlackBerry, emailed it to myself, cleaned it up a little bit, had my publicist, Kia Jones, kind of proofread it, and it still got out with typos, so that's my fault. But um, <laughs> <laughs> So we sent it out, and the response, I got a call from Paul Porter, whose site Rap Rehab originally ran it. He said, we've had 50,000 hits since we posted mm. that article. Then Urban Cuffs ran it. Then Bella Gospel Online ran it. And we're probably up to 100,000 people reading that article worldwide. I was, it was a period for two weeks where I was getting five or ten emails a day based on that article and the sister article on why hip-hop artists are going broke as well. Two, artic- two articles that were, you know, just straight off the cuff. I didn't pull no strings. I just wrote it like talking to someone at the Starbucks or talk- talking to someone, you know, around the table. And the book resonates the same way. It's the only book where you can talk about the locks versus Diddy. Michael Jackson and how much money he made, Donald Lawrence and the structure of his deal, Stephen Hurd and the structure of his deal, Bobby Jones and why he should have trademarked his name, Beyonce and how she trademarked her name, uh, L.A. Reid and how he ran uh, uh, Face Records as well as Arista and now is running, I believe, Epic Records. There's, you know, chapters on each of them among other. Diane Warren, the greatest songwriter on the face of the earth, gave me, you know, two hours of her time and we dedicated a whole chapter called The Writer as Self-Publisher to Diane Warren. 
I mean, so when you pick the book up, like just when you think it's about to run out of steam, Diane Warren's chapter hits you. Michael Jackson's chapter hits you. Ellie Reed's chapter hits you. We go right into Thomas Dorsey and Amazing Grace. And it, it just, it's just a journey through kind of everything I've been involved with since starting with Phyllis Hyman 20 years ago. And it just wow. resonates with everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. L.A. Reed stops me. Fat Joe stops me. All these guys will stop me at the Grammys and say, yo, dog, I'm loving that book. And then they know I do gospel, so they'll say, you know, I love that gospel bleep. You know what I'm saying? They'll say, I love that gospel <laughs> essay. You know what? We won't use profanity on your show. But you know what I'm saying? They'll just... They'll just say, man, I'm really loving that dog. We got you. you know, and, we got you. And Puffy's people, you know, Puffy's right hand, Francesca Cero, she said she read it. She was upset about the locks chapter, but I said, is it true? Did he make that much in publishing? She said, yeah. You know, she couldn't disagree with it. She said, you just kind of told all of this. I said, well, I'm trying to teach the young kids how to understand what publishing is. Many of the artists don't know what a point is. They will tell you I want a point on a record, but when I tell them calculate and share with me, what one point is on an album, the top, top, top-notch producers in the industry can't even tell me what a point is. Wow. I was talking to one yesterday who did Kirk Franklin's, uh, the album with uh, Hosanna on it, you know, which one I'm talking about, I think the third or fourth album, and the producer didn't really know Rebirth. how to calculate his points. What'd Rebirth. you say? Rebirth, thank you. And the producer didn't mm-hmm. know how to calculate his points. Mm-hmm. So speaking of artists, since we, I'm going to pivot here, speaking of artists, who are your five top artists living right wow. now? Wow. Yeah, we're going to put, well, gonna let's, put you on the street. Let's, let's do this in two, two. That's our article, too, bro. We should write that. Um, let's do it this way. From a business standpoint or from a performance standpoint? Because, you know, it's different. And there's certain okay. artists that I like because they got a business head on them. Then there's certain artists that I like because when I'm broke and disgusted and fussed and, you know, chewed out, I need to put their CD in. So, Tanya's going to want the the broke, busted, and disgusted artists that get okay. to you. And I'm going to want the business ones. So whichever one you would like, we'll do the business ones first. Okay. Yeah. Business ones, Donald, I'll put Donald Lawrence at the top. Okay. Donald Lawrence, Vicky Winans, Bobby Jones, Stephen Hurd, and I'm struggling for number five. Cinda Moore is good with her business. She's been through a lot. She's learned. But those four right off the bat, just jump out. And I'll tell you why. Donald, when we worked together for five years, I mean, publishing, the choir set up as a 501c3. You know, he's uh, got the Tri-City thing going. He's got Dwayne Woods. Um, He's obviously got his own solo stuff. He's got a big publishing catalog. I mean, he just covers every base. He's doing the Verizon thing. So you got to give him that. Then Vicky, when Vicky comes to your town, she brings a suitcase full of everything. And by the time she leaves your town, that suitcase is empty. Right. And she's doing films, she's doing tours, she's doing comedy, she's doing boat cruises. I mean, just shrewd, shrewd business people. Oh, John P. Key, he would be number five. He would be number five, John P. Key. And um, I don't know if I need to flesh out all of them, but in very similar ways, they all just handle business very smart. Stephen Hurd just did a distribution deal with uh, Central South and Vicky Mac and set up his own label, has his own writers, is a minister of music at a mega church in Maryland, First Baptist of Glenard, and one of my favorite churches. So mm-hmm. those are kind of my five, you know, just business minds. And then when you talk to, like, okay, you got a few CDs you can play in your car, Twinkie Clark would come to uh-huh. mind. Of course, CeCe Winans would come to mind. Um, I love Israel. We butt heads a lot because I yell at him every time I see him. 
but I love Israel. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> eclectically and just brilliant. But I love Israel. Um, I love Micah, who's smart businessman too, but he's he's a younger artist, so I'm thinking of the more seasoned people when you say business. I love right. Micah Stampley. Um, I mean, I can go down the list on, on the uh, who you love side, but Twinkie Clark would obviously be one of my favorite. And Kirk. I love Kirk. I think Kirk just kind of shows you, even if you're not a singer per se, you can still minister. And you right. can still, you know, pull it all together. And he's just an inspiration. And just knowing him personally and haven't had the chance to sit down with him for quite some hours and pick his head and pick his brain and hang out with him, I just like him. He's not a client. I've never really wanted to necessarily represent him. I just always had a good alliance with him because of what I do and what he does. He, he does like me. He sings to get by. He does like me. He sings just enough to get you into the song, and then he releases you to the quiet. He says, quiet, take it up. That's all you're supposed to do, right? Isn't that all you're supposed to do? Yeah. When I was in disco, they told us that's all you had to do. Amen. I love that. I love that. I love that list, too. We, we, you know what? When you send out an article, you know, that you do on this, please mention myself and Marvin. And I'll just want <laughs> If no, you just tune it in, you, you got in jokes. I'm supposed class. to be doing the jokes. No, not Marvin, you. Marvin, Marvin, <laughs> you know what she's going to do, Marvin? Tomorrow she's going to tweet. James Walker said only these five people are smart in gospel music. <laughs> oh, That's what she's going to no. do tomorrow. <laughs> Give me trouble. She's going to send that tweet out. Right. Yeah, she's going to no, tweet say, for the rest of all. you who pay his tuition and his kids' uh, private school bill, <laughs> you should know he didn't put you at the top of his list if you're his wife. <laughs> That's what she's going to do tomorrow. All right. Well, just know that I didn't do it because remember, you're already charging my account. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get a discount. One of the things I love about you, uh, before we take a break and come back with you, one of the things I love about you is, is you're so humble. You um, have worked with the in- industry's leading and the, some of the best. And um, I had tweeted to you saying, I think I said something to you like, thank you so much. You know, I'm, I'm a nobody. You know, you treat me like everybody. I appreciate that. You, tra- you treat me like you treat everybody. And you wrote back and you said, why shouldn't I, doesn't God? So that brings me to my point of when it comes to the time when you wrote this business of urban music, a lot has changed since then. The music industry uh, has changed, especially with, I think, uh, just the independent artists and the indie labels, which you do highlight in your book. You do have chapters dedicated to that. But I say that to say that the industry, the music industry, isn't. Uh, they don't really treat the independent artists like they are somebody. We, um, a lot of independent artists are treated like they are nobody. And I'm, I'm going to ask you why you think that is. I know what I think the answer is, but I would just be interested in what you'd have to say about something like that. Sure, and I want to hear your response too. Um, I think it's twofold. I think there are people now that are trying to hold on to their jobs, and they're trying wow. to paint this illusion of, like, you really need us as labels when you really don't. Wow. And I, I think um, Light Records, Central South, these uh, kind of n- new babies, if you will, they're showing some of the long-existing labels that they can do it just as good, if not better. I mean, Juanita Bynum moved four or 500,000 units through Central South. There was no label. She then went over and signed with Music World, and we haven't really seen, you know, that kind of spark in her sales, if any. You know, and um, you look at a guy, I always use this example. He was one of my first clients, and I love him dearly, Bishop Hezekiah Walker. You know, he's been signed to Verity since I came out of high school. And I tell him right now, you know, I always tweet, and I put it out there real on Front Street to him and his management, like, Hez could do an independent iTunes deal 
move 50,000 units, make five or ten bucks a record, and make more money than he probably ever made with a record label. He's got the marketing. See, the goal of a record label is to market and brand you. Since they eliminated their black music departments, there's nobody there to market or brand you anymore. In the 70s and 80s, a good friend of mine who my wife knows well, um, Larkin Arnold, he was the black music director who signed Michael Jackson, who signed the Commodores, who signed Luther Vandross, who signed Natalie Cole. I mean, you can go on and on and on. At that time, Sony CBS had a black music department and division. So they brought you in there and they taught you how to be an artist. They taught you, here's going to be the marketing. We're going to lie, Tanya, and say you're 17 and you just got <laughs> here from Europe and, you know, you're the daughter of Minnie Ripperton and, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, and you speak five languages and you know karate. We're going to do that whole marketing thing on you to sell records. They don't have marketing people like that anymore. Now you show up at the Stellas, you show up at GMWA, you perform for the DJs, we put fun out on Gospel Flavor, we put fun out on Gospel City, we do Urban Roundup, we do Black Gospel Promo, and you're on your own. That's that's considered, you know, marketing. And then we say you're on recoup. When you sell the records, we say, oh, you still owe us money forever, you know, when you start selling records. Right. So with that being said, I just don't think you really, really need a label anymore. I saw Dion Kipping, who I love dearly. He's my frat brother. He's from Connecticut. I saw him sign with Verity, and I'm going to watch very closely to see how and, you know, where that goes. Because Dion had a lot of buzz. You know, I don't oh. know if he necessarily needed a label. You can almost really just hire an independent marketing person and save yourself a lot of money and control, like, here's the strategic direct plan for you. Versus I, I get a statement in from a label, and it's got eight artists on your budget. You know, they brought an ad in Billboard, and your face was in the ad, so now you're paying for that ad with eight other artists. You know, that stuff like that really makes you question, do I really need a label? Do I really need a label? And then, you you know, in this day and time with the Internet and social media and all that stuff, I was telling Isaac Correa, um, I saw him at church one Sunday in Atlanta, and I said, Isaac, with your clout and with the BET Sunday Best folks struggling right now, put together a 10-city megachurch tour for them. You headline it, put Zebulon, Leandria, who's the other girl, Reedy, Jessica Reedy, and Maurice Griffin and a couple others. Amber, yeah, you guys go out there and do 10 and 15 mega churches so that you can build your own audience. Don't wait for us to do it. Don't wait. I mean, DT already told me no when we tried to buy the show. So clearly they're not trying to get help. <laughs> Just put it out there on Front Street and exclusive with Tanya when we tried to buy the show. <laughs> but, um, you know, to go that tour, we should have a Sunday's Best tour. And that kind of stuff we could do independently. I like that. Now, before we go to break, Marvin, did you have a follow-up question? Well, I, I, I heard you speak of, of artists and their their relationship with labels, um, and I know that we will get beat up if we don't talk about just independent artists. Just uh, could you surmise in a couple of steps what you think the first things an artist should do? What are the first couple of things an artist should do with the CD or I'm sorry, with the CD made, uh, Marvin, or without a, you're saying an artist who already has a CD done and everything? Artist, artist who has a CD but doesn't know how to push it. Okay. Well, the first thing yeah. they do, is, as you see Tanya and others have done, is get out here on the so, social media, and I always say build your region first. If you're in Atlanta or New York, Chicago, or even a smaller market, everybody in that region should know you as the go-to artist. 
They should know nothing should go on in that town. Like if Kirk is coming or Yolanda's coming through, someone in that local town should say, we got to get Marvin to open up for them. We got it. Because if you don't have your own local buzz, we can't sell you around the country. You know know what I'm saying? We just can't. You can't expect Don to use you at the sellers or DJs to play you in other markets if your own local market ain't playing you. And and a good example is Deion Kippen. I mean, he had Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Boston. He had these markets on lockdown because of his great work as a songwriter. Everyone knew him as this great songwriter for Marvin Sapp and others. So by the time he got to put out his own product, he already had a lot of support at radio. So what I say, the first thing is, Dominate your local market. Make sure your local market, any major event that comes through there, any major churches that come through there, any major radio stations, gospel districts, they should all know you first and foremost because that's how you spill out into other markets. A quick story before we go to break. When I was in college, my frat brothers were all members of Shy, right? And don't tell right. y'all saved. Don't go crazy because I said Shy. <laughs> but y'all Holy Ghost still speaking in tongues, fire baptized, you know, flossing at the mouth people. I'm just saying, Shy played a CD, a song, If I Ever Fall in Love. They played it on PGC in D.C., and the song rippled from D.C. to Baltimore to Philly to Houston to New York. That radio station was a part of a chain, and once the song took off in one market, they dominated D.C., it spilled in 12 other markets. And the next thing you know, they rushed up to New York. They didn't even have a deal. Their demo tape was being played. It was a call of the show on Saturday night, we all called in and, you know, can we hear it again? Can we hear it again? They've been paying us to call in to say we want to hear it again. So we all called in, and, you know, the rest is history, three million records later. And I always use that example to say you can do the same thing on the gospel side. A great song is a great song. As soon as you heard nobody's greater than you, you kind of knew. You know, I had Smokey Northfield's demo tape. I'm still regretting that I had Smokey Northfield's demo tape. And when I heard I Need You Now, I knew then that it was a hit, but at the same time I was doing Twinkie's record, Jackie McCullough's record, and then a standard record. I had five other albums that I was working on at the time, and I just had to tell Smokey's uh, then-friend Tony Dixon, who was producing it, that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't put it on the radar. And two, three million records later, you know, I'm like, wow. But that was just a great song. So that's what I say to the local artists on Marvin. Social level. Yeah, build your social network. Build your region first. And build your build region, your region first. first. Yeah, build your, because two things happen. You get the buzz, but you also can eat. Your region can sustain you if you build it the right way. You know, heads okay. could just do New York, Connecticut, Philly, Jersey, and Boston and do pretty well for himself. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he does well, nationwide, but well. he could go from Boston to D.C. and he'd be fine. He could run a five, six, seven city tour, you know, turn six figures and be okay. Wow. Awesome. I like that. I like that. That's very wise and awesome advice. And even here in our virtual studios, Tanya Dallas-Lewis is taking notes. We're going to go to a break, (laughs) but I am going to say, I am going to play the devil's advocate just a little bit um, in that there are some artists out there who do have a great song, James, but because of the politics of radio, um, if you don't get radio airplay, people aren't going to know you. So these larger churches, especially here in the DMV where we're broadcasting live from, they're not necessarily going to have you coming to their church if they have not heard you on the radio. So you That's can sound good. as good as Smokey Norfolk and have the best producers, writers, musicians on your CD. But if they mm-hmm. don't know who you are, uh, it's, it's difficult. 
And but so the radio plays an aspect in that. So I, I wonder what you, you know what your response would be, be to that. Well, and I have to tell you, there are the phone lines are blinking like crazy. There's people right, who want to talk. We got to take some calls. We got to take some calls. Let's take. But I'll, I'll, I'll let him respond to that real okay. quickly so we can take the calls. Um, do you start at the Potter's House or do you start at you know local John and Sally Baptist Community Church? You so were back for. I know it was coming out. You was about to say the backwater churches. I seen it was on the. It was on the. <laughs> no, but I'm a lot of times, a lot of times, artists, artists who can't, you know, fill a venue will call John Jenkins at, you know, First AME of Los Angeles right. with fifty thousand members and say, "Can I come sing?" And sometimes I say, "Start smaller and work your way up," because the smaller churches they're having them dinners luncheons, anniversaries, and they're looking for just a great singer who wants to come do a song or two and sell their CDs or take a love offering. And a lot of times we think we're Kirk Franklin, we think we're Yolanda, we won't take those gigs. <laughs> you know, because, you know, Yolanda Adams wouldn't do that. She wouldn't sing at the fish fry when you try to tell them, but you're not Yolanda yet. You know, your name is Yolanda, but that don't make you Yolanda Adams. You're Yolanda Smith. You're Yolanda Jones. You're Yolanda Davis. You know, so you know, you're, Kurt, you're Kurt Jenkins, not Kurt Franklin, and I'm trying to get you to just do a 300, 500-member church, and you want to do a 5,000-member church. I'm telling you our true stories that we deal with as entertainment attorneys trying to convince our artists that we've been lying to you for years telling you how great you are, but now we got to tell you that as great as you are, greater Mount Calvary of Washington, D.C. is not going to let you sing in front of 10,000 people at their annual convocation. You're going to have to right. go down the street to, you know, St. Paul's Episcopal Church with 320 members and just start there right. and just turn right. it out. You know, just master, like I said earlier, master what's in front of you, and God will open up all those other doors. I'm a living witness coming out of Connecticut as an entertainment lawyer where everybody told me there's no way you can do that in Connecticut. you got to go to Atlanta. you got to go to Chicago or New York. I'm a living witness that you can start in a small market and, and make wow. national noise if you do good work. All right, real talk from James L. Walker, Jr., Esquire. He's an attorney known nationwide for closing some of the biggest deals in gospel music, and we've got him right here on the Music Box. We will open up the line to your questions. You guys are buzzing in like crazy, and trust me, I won't do that to you. I won't just ignore you. So hold the line. We'll be right back after this quick message on the Music Box with your girl, national recording artist, Tanya Dallas-Lewis, and my guest co-host for the night, Marvin D. Logic the teacher, right here. Yeah. Take your life. Mom, I'm hungry. What's for dinner? In this tough economy, if you're a mom like I am, you are always looking for ways to stick to your budget, especially when it comes to making meals for the ones you love. That's why I was beside myself with joy when I found ProManMeals.com. Poman Meals specializes in orchestrating affordable yet creative alternatives to everyday eating. We all love food, and at Poman Meals, they showed me how to get more out of my meals without taking more out of my pockets. It's PoManMeals.com, where saving dollars makes sense. That's www.PoManMeals.com. Thanks, Mom. Dinner was delicious. Hi, you're listening to my mommy on the music box.
That's right. That was my little baby, Dylan Sampson, giving a shout-out to his mom. Welcome back to the Music Box. It's your girl, Tanya Dallas-Lewis. So excited that you all would take the time out of your busy schedules to hang out with me and Marvin B. Logic, the teacher, with our special guest. I affectionately call him Gospel's own entertainment attorney. <laughs> Mr. James L. Walker, Jr. is on the line with us, and I see the lines are beeping you guys have been holding for so long, so I'm going to go ahead and go to area code 614. Area code 614. Did you have a question for our special guest? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, my first of all, my name is Eddie Sands, um, and uh, thank you, Tanya, for this opportunity. One of the questions that I have as an upcoming artist uh, with a full project CD, uh, how can I get a good promoter and a good manager? Mm, that's a great question. Is that to, to me? I can answer, Tanya, or you? Yeah, please and thank you. Okay. Yes, Tanya, can you ahead. hear me? Oh, okay, I didn't know. Yes, we can. We can. Um, well, good promoter, where are you based at, sir? I live in Columbus, Ohio, but I'm from Cleveland, okay. and I have great relationships in New York. Okay, so you're connected. Um, You know I hear the music is out there with my, uh, my girl, uh, Tracy Artist. You know, it's funny you should say that, because when I first got the project, I I saw her doing some advertisement on uh, a black something uh, on the Internet, and I gave her a call. I went down there. I met with her. She said, first thing you need to do is figure out which one's going to be your single. Get 100 copies of the single. I went and did that. And then when I went back to her, I said, okay, I got 100 copies of the single. Now what? She said, I'm going to need $1,500 a month. And the reality of it is, she got to make a living too. But she didn't tell me that prior, because I'd have been working on the fifteen hundred before I worked on the CD. You know, because <laughs> it, 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 it was all, it was like a, it was a shock. You know, because I, I came to her for help, and she said, "Well, you know, I can help you. Uh, first, do this, do this, do this, do that." And I said, "Okay, I done all that." Then she said, and I don't think she was being uh, facetious or, or rude or anything like that, but she said, now I need $1,500 a month. But here's, but here's inherently what she's, hold on a second, you heard the money, but you missed the blessing. The blessing is that for someone of Tracy's caliber to give you the endorsement of I will take your project on. See, a lot of folks walk in her office and even my office and probably others' office, and they stop at how much do you want and how much is it per hour, and they don't realize in a normal month you might get 5, 10, 20, 30, sometimes 50 demos, and you've decided I'm only working with four or five, if that. So when she uh-huh. quotes you that price, you got to keep in mind that while it may sound like a lot of money, it is her saying, I like your stuff, and I believe in you. And you got to do what you got to do. Uh, legally and honestly, <laughs> to get the money, because you can't say, you know, do what you gotta yeah. do. He's gonna rob the bank and say, "Well, that lawyer told me to do what I gotta do." But you have to do what you have to do to to pay her, whether you gotta negotiate, you know, so much down, so much in the long run, so much on credit cards. But she, if she, what, I'm what, just saying, I'm touched that you must be talented for her to even consider you, because she, and, I know her, she didn't take it on. God has given me a gift, and I thank Him for it. But the reality of it is. I might even be able to scrape up $1,500 for the first month. But what about the next 12 months? 
And, but, and on top of that, on, on well, on you got That's where your face. Ho, ho, ho! That's where your face steps in. You can't. You know, you don't open a restaurant saying, "Well, we're going to sell out tonight." But what about six months, nine months? You trust God that if you're doing what you're supposed to do, He'll do the rest. You know, you you can't you can't automate it and say, "Okay, this is going to happen ninety days out." And six months out and a year out You just got to trust God And go in there with a good heart and a right mind And your record catches on I'm sure she'll work with you Yeah, sure she'll work with you. Well let me ask you this question Okay For a person that doesn't have $1,500 a month Is there someone like a Tracy That could <laughs> maybe not do the work of the promotion Because she was going to do a lot of work For that 1500 She was going to track the radio station she, you know, so she was going to earn her money. But my my question is, is there someone who can maybe book me, maybe in ten different cities, and then get their pay off of the bookings? Hey, brother, I'm let sure me be honest. This, this is Walmart. You 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 shop at Walmart like me, don't you? Well, I, I, I like that well, preferably, but yeah, I do. A Walmart brother, I love it. That's that's me, man. He said, "Can I get somebody uh, with the same quality that don't charge fifteen hundred? I love that. That's what I'm talking right. about. Well, we're gonna go ahead and let and let um, James answer that question. And um, thank you so much, Minister Eddie B. Sands. We'll allow him to an- answer that and op- and continue to open up the line. Yeah, so if he, I'm gonna put the floor right can, now to James. You know what? If he can't afford, say, a high end, you know, A list record, what he's talking about for your listeners is somebody to work radio. You bring in the Tracy artist or someone of that nature to basically take your single, service all the radio stations, and stay on top of them to make sure they're playing the single. If he can't afford that, then he's got to put together, I almost like to say, a high school or college team of interns and grab these books out here like Lisa Collins's uh, Gospel Industry Roundup and figure out who the top 10, top 20 stations are around his region, and he'd do his own, own radio tracking. That's the other option. If you can't afford to pay somebody, do it yourself. You know, people right. are tweeting me for my book. They're not calling Random House or Billboard. So a lot of times I have to respond and say, here's where you get it, or can we mail you a copy, or do you want to invoice you? It's a matter of how bad you want it, but also how much you feel God has really, really called you to do this. If wow. God hasn't called you to do it, and it's just you keep running into things, it keeps being difficult, you got to really fast and pray and ask, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Because I find when you're doing what God has called you to do, he just kind of, they say your gifts make room for you. It just kind of all works out. It kind of all just falls into place. We came to Atlanta. We didn't have office set up and all this stuff set up, but everything just fell into place. It's just people just, I've run into people, ran into Isaac, ran into others. It just seemed like everything fell into place because God said, this is what you're supposed to do. Excellent. I like that. I like that a lot. And, you know, I think for independent artists, we do feel, you know, in the industry there's a term that's called hurry up and wait. So they say, hurry up, get this, get this, get this, and you get all that stuff, and then they're like, okay, now wait. (laughs) So, you know, for us, that's, you know, it's a little bit frustrating, um, especially when we don't feel that we get the fair deal. I think a lot of independent artists are exploited because they are so, in some cases, uh, and I'm not saying this to be mean or anything like that, and I'm saying we, so I'm not saying y'all and not me, but we want the limelight so badly 
uh, that we are exploited. We, you know, we are charged more money for this or that or spending money needlessly. Uh, we're not educated. We're not informed, which is why I've been pushing your book so hard, this business of urban music. Every independent artist, every new artist out there, needs this book. I don't care if you're going to sign with a major label or with an indie label. There's information in this book, and I'm, you know, halfway down the road, and I'm like, my husband asked me the other day, are you studying for a test? I mean, James, I have your book. I'm walking around your book like it's a Bible. I have it highlighted, (laughs) notes, pencil, pen. But let me get to the next question. Marvin, did you have anything before I open up the line again? I want to open up the line. I want to see if there's another Walmart caller. I'm down. <laughs> All right, let me go to Erico 502. Erico 502, you're on the air with Tanya Dallas Lewis on the music box. Yeah, Tanya Dallas Lewis, this is Young Purvis. Hey, and, Purvis, uh, how are you? I'm doing good, and uh, I was just by Walmart just about 15 minutes ago. And <laughs> first I want to... First, just take my hat off to uh, Brother Walker because I've been listening and I I feel your spirit, brother, and you just you just a good guy and everything. But here's my question, man. Sure. Me and my boy Dave, we got this eight track that we agreed to put out, and my eight track got four cuts on it, and all of them are tight, man. And uh, I got a picture. You said eight track. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I got my eight track, buddy. And I got my picture on uh glued on the eight track. It's got, you know, a picture of me uh in my purple suit with my green flip flops on and my orange hat. And I think his thing was sale. But I wanna know when when is the proper time for me to call, you know, you being an entertainment lawyer, when is the pro- proper time for me to call you and get you on board with my eight track, man? Because it's gonna blow up. <laughs> And then, um, you know I, how you were saying, you know, getting your own market first in the Louisville, Kentucky market, it's just blowing up all around here, man. Okay. Uh, okay. I, um, Tanya. Yes, sir. I have not, I have not closed the deal for the A-Track. Got you, buddy. All right, God bless. God bless. All right, Curvis, thank you. 
Thank you so much. And let me just tell you, Purvis is up for a stellar award uh, for his uh, amazing gospel radio personality on WLOUN, Louisville, Kentucky. So he, he does play around a lot, James. Don't pay him any money. Um, no, I love I, I'm loving your show. I'm telling you, boy, you guys have a show here. <laughs> we got some crazy callers. And let me just say, Thank you, because I told you a 15-minute interview, and we're going on almost an hour here. So thank you so much for being so long-suffering. I have a question no here. Uh, we'll take one or two more, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, leave this man to his wife and kids and all that he usually does on a Thursday evening. Let me see if I can find this question. Oh, it has to do with uh, a contract uh, with a label. Let me make sure that I understand, uh, well, this person wrote this in, but I'm going to ask it in the way that I'm interpreting it. When it comes to works for hire, if an artist writes all the songs but signs a contract that says that these works are for hire, do they own the copyrights? They're, they they want to know why is copyright law so confusing. They're confused. If an artist writes a song and it's on the album, does the artist own yeah. the song? Was that your question? Basically, yes, even do. though the contract says that it's works made for hire, doesn't works made what, for hire mean that the label owns? No. Well, what the label is saying is they own the master, the actual master, which is that DAT or that MP3 that you send mm-hmm. over and you, and you put it on the 12 song CD. The label is saying we own this master of 12 songs. One of the things I was telling, uh, I think it was John P. Key or Fred Hammond. I was telling one of the artists recently. I said, why don't you go re-record? all your songs individually and put them on iTunes. The label owns the master of all 12 songs together as, you know, uh, Pages of Life, Volume 1, or Jesus is Real, Volume 1, you know, all 12 songs on that Jesus is Real album, but you own the individual song. And most of the labels are not savvy enough in their contracts to say you can't re-record this song anytime you want as a solo song. So you can walk right into iTunes and you know, Jesus is real, and go right there with you. Know? <laughs> Same. And there's, and there's nothing. Same I think really all the labels their contracts. They just started <laughs> changing. You just. Yeah, you I just know because James just. <laughs> <laughs> you know, messed yeah. up. on the music box, which is heard all over the world. Okay, gee, thanks, James. You're supposed to just text us that information. <laughs> right, exactly. That's supposed to be on the I'm telling you now, so that if it isn't in your contract and you're signing a new one, make sure. Is not put in. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, James. All right. Right now, what's going on with the? Um, I'm 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 the pivoter, so I'm going to give you something that you can take a you know a, a a calm down on the legal. On the Occupy Washington and the Tea Party, what do you think about movements when it comes to music? I, I think of off the top of my mind. I think of Aaron Campier. Uh, I think of TDL Engine. I think of all of these uh, movements that are arriving, whether it be uh, political movements or it be musical movements. What do you think about movements? Do you think that they're good for the business? Do you think they're hurting the business because they're sharing more? Uh, What do you think? When you say movement, you mean like, uh, what do you call it, Uh, the downloaded service that everybody was upset about a few years ago, Uh, Napster, things of that nature? Well, first of all, first of all, YouTube, you all know, because I think I've heard you say it before, but YouTube is basically copyright infringement every day. You know, it's, it's voluntarily copyright infringement. We put our stuff up there 
they license it to whoever. They sell advertising on it. My son was telling me that there's something now called Vito that bought YouTube. So it's even more advertising when you go to YouTube's page. It's not the same look anymore. And I think um, I think they're a good thing in terms of getting your music out there worldwide, but I think there has to be some conscious level of dollars and cents by the artists in terms of, hey, you're exploiting my music. If you remember Prince, if you go to YouTube, I don't know if they can now, but for years they couldn't put up any Prince music because Prince was pretty smart and said, no, 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 you're not exploiting my music for free and building your website. I mean, Prince just told him from day one, every now and then you'll visit YouTube and you'll see something that you thought you could get access to, and YouTube will post, this is no longer available. The copyright owner has told us something, something, something. So right, that's I, and, and I'm thinking from there are two sides. As a legal person, I'm concerned about a lot of these sites because I think as they dilute your rights, they dilute your money. From a creative wow. I think it's wonderful because as a creative person, you know, you play the piano, you want your friend to hear it in, in Timbuktu, you go put it on YouTube and tell him, go to this site, you can hear my stuff. You know, Justin Bieber gets on YouTube, gets 2 million hits, and, you know, gets discovered by Usher. So right. there's there's pros and cons of it. But I just think, and I said this in another interview a few weeks ago, I think the gospel industry has to come together like the NBA. You use other models, Marvin. The NBA, two years ago, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, Dr. J, Magic Johnson, these players got together and said, we're going to control this pie. This billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar thing we call the NBA, we're going to get 50% or more of this pie. The artists have to come together like that. Those who have, and I always call them right out, Donnie McClurkin, Kirk Franklin, Yolanda, John P. Key, Marvin Sapp, the five or six of them got to sit in a room and say, how do we set this thing up so we can make more millionaires? Right. If your real mission is to save lives and your real mission is to grow the body, you can't grow the body if you're the only five major churches as artists. Mm. You grow the wow. body by saying, okay, Kurt, you're going out on the road for 20 days in February. Take the June Thompson with you. Take Nancy Jackson with you. Take, you know, Leon Temple with you. Take Stephen Hurd with you. Take these artists who can hold it down you know, in a major venue so that they can up their game and become an A-list player. You understand? And as okay. they up their game, then they can go out and carry a national tour. Excellent. We don't okay. do that in gospel music. What we do is we wait for secular radio to say, oh, my God, never could have made it, just crossed over. Now that right. the song crosses over, now you're a big A-list artist, you're getting secular dates, secular money, and you're in the private, exclusive, VIP, A-list Gospel art. It's the masterpiece. It's the ma- it's the masterpiece syndrome. It's, it's the masterpiece syndrome, exactly. It's and they get upset I, because when I when I see them, I say it all the time to them. Look, you know, we have a Christmas party in our neighborhood of luxury homes because we want other African Americans to see you can live out here too. And what can we do to help you get out here? We want you to do the same thing as a major artist. Don't just tell me you have a Maybach or you have a Bentley, or you hanging out with Puffy in the Hamptons, figure out a way other folks can have that life, or at least have the option for that life, because if they can have that life, they can witness and minister to more people. Again, it's all about are you in this for ministry, or are you in this for popularity and, you know, money and all those other reasons? Because if you are, just tell us. Just tell us, and we'll put you in Sister to Sister magazine so I can see you when I buy it on the counter. You know, right. <laughs> 
I like that. And so your challenge really to independent artists who are listening tonight is to, they've got some questions to ask themselves. So if you're tuned into the show right now, if you're just getting here, which I see the lines are still, at, people are still calling in. <laughs> you missed it, but don't you worry. Let Never fear. Through. We'll answer the questions. Yeah. I don't want anybody to feel that they listened in and, you know, only heard about Tanya Marvin, you know? <laughs> and Walmart, right? And Walmart. <laughs> And Walmart, and Walmart. Well, the show is archived, so never fear. If you did, if you did miss the beginning, which James gave a lot of very pertinent information, don't worry. You can go back and uh, re-listen to that. I have a question for you in regards to my music video. Currently, it has been submitted to the NAACP Image Awards for Outstanding Music Video. So here's a copyright question that I think would probably fall under synchronization. Since the music video, by God's grace, and Mercy is airing three to four times a week on BET. Is there anything that me or my label should be doing? Well, it's airing on what show? It's airing on BET Gospel. And did they send you, anybody send you a sync license or some type of license? They have a music clearance, yeah. clearance house down in Delaware that I use a lot that should have sent you something to get the video cleared. Actually, I no? couldn't say no. I, I, that's a question I'll have to, to check with my label. I definitely will check okay. with them. So yeah, that's, you should have got that's something. First place. Yeah, that's okay. first place. Okay. Unless you gave, you know, sometimes B2 will have you sign some type of release and you just right. agree, you know, that they can run it without paying you certain royalties. Or we do what's called most favorite nations. I don't know if you've heard that term, but that basically means, hey, we're not paying anybody, and you're going to sign a piece of paper to, that agree we ain't going to pay you either. And if we ever pay somebody under a most favored nations clause, you would get the most favored dollar that everybody else got. So a most favored nations clause usually means everybody's kind of neutral, everybody's kind of at zero or at $500 or whatever, and they're not supposed to give no one else any more money than they gave you, which in some cases is nothing. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, good to know. And, and I should, we should say this for you listeners. We should say this for your listeners, uh, Tanya and Marvin. The sync license, as we call a synchronization license, is simply called a sync license because we're synchronizing music to moving film or moving video. So whenever music is in a movie, a TV show, or whatever, you have to issue a sync license for the use of that song versus a mechanical license when you hear a song on a CD. Back in the day, we made music mechanically with the big machines and all that. So we use the word mechanical license to indicate the sale of a CD. We use sync license to indicate TV and film. Just for your listeners who hear uh, the word or mechanical and not, do not know what it means. Got it. Got it. Okay. I was told I had to give a shout-out to we, – we're getting listened to in uh, Tallahassee, Florida right now. Shout-out oh, to wow. that's the MC who is on the radio station Hot 107, I believe, in Tallahassee. He told me to give y'all a shout-out and thank James. He's doing a wonderful job. Oh, thank him. He, um, in Tallahassee, they, we got a lot of play down there with our article on the top 12 reasons. So thank, right. thank you as, as well. Back to them. And I'd like to give a shout-out, too, to Erico 316. They are holding it down. Uh, we have people listening from Arizona. We have people listening from Jamaica. <laughs> 
popular, Mr. Walker. Jamaica, <laughs> Jackie, Jackie McCullough's hometown or home. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know what? We have just a few more minutes left in the show, but I did want to uh, talk about, you know, one more again, unless Marvin had something else uh, that he wanted to ask you, on the reasons why we seem to be broke. That article, I mean, I ate it up. I posted it uh, on one of the Strategic Music Partnership uh, pages on Facebook. And actually, some people may not know, but James, you used to be the president or the chairman of the Stellar Awards Gospel Music Association. Is that right? Yes, I was that for five years, and uh, my family and I will be at the Stellar Awards uh, next Saturday night, I believe, in Nashville. So, oh, yep, cool. I did so that for I was I set up I set up the structure. Uh, or I should say my law firm, because my legal team was involved as well, we set up the whole nonprofit Sagamore Academy, the whole process of becoming a 501c3, and wrote the original bylaws, and just, mm-hmm. you know, we're there at the infancy stage, and uh, did it five or six years as a volunteer and loved it. Wow. Well, I, I bring that up because the, on the Strategic Music Partnership page, which is done by Mr. Henry Harris, who was the last chairman of the of SAGMA, um, that article went, I mean, so, it had so many shares on it, I couldn't even keep up. I mean, it, you, really, when you told me the full story about that article and just how it went viral, um, man, I just, I just, I don't know what to say. I think a lot of independent artists, and I'm not speaking on their behalf but on mine, we just get a little frustrated, and I totally agree with everything that you put in there. And it's, 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 I, I felt that way about what you wrote. I just could not have verbalized it as beautifully as you did. So thank you. <laughs> and no, I encourage and I, everybody. I, I, go ahead. I thank you and Facebook and Twitter and everyone who circulated via social uh, media. I wrote it very nervous, to be honest, because I just thought it would offend a lot of people when you say, you know, they sing and shout day and night but never listen morning or evening, or, you know, they want a pair of shoes, nice pair of shoes versus a nice bank account. I just thought people would get so outraged by it that I sent it out there kind of low-key at first, and then it just exploded, you know? It's and I sure was did. pleasantly excited when people said no. I mean, I had the producer, the executive producer of Celebration of Gospel, called me from L.A., hadn't heard from her in a year, and she called me just screaming through the phone, on how excited she was that somebody had wrote it. And I know it was God because, like I said, I wrote it on a BlackBerry first and emailed it to myself and <laughs> did a few edits and, you know, and was done, you know. I was practicing in the mirror for the radio show, man. I understand. I was practicing it. <laughs> so, but I want to hear your questions if there are viewers, uh, listeners with questions. I, I do want to either hear them here or have them tweet me their questions. I'll stay on Twitter for an hour or two with you, Tanya and try to answer all the questions because we don't want anybody to walk away from the call and not hear, you know, an answer or a potential uh, insight on what they're trying to do because we know. I'm very scared right now. Think of this for a minute, guys. Kirk Franklin, Marvin Sapp, John B. Key, Yolanda, they all retire tomorrow or, you know, God forbid, sun comes out and they can't minister for whatever reasons anymore. Where are we at as a gospel industry? Mm. Think about that. I mean, I'm watching the Heat play – the Hawks tonight, D-Wade is down, LeBron is down, but the NBA still has Tracy McGrady, Joe Johnson, Kobe Bryant, so on, so on, so on, to market the brand. You understand? Right. Gospel, Kirk goes down, Marvin goes down, a couple others go down. When I say go down, I mean like they can't pack a house anymore, they can't fill up a venue anymore, they're not getting radio play because the album just ain't hitting anymore. Then what? 
Right. And where are we? So I, I say that to I, say we need but, to hear we need to hear from these independent artists because they are really the future. Right. You're right. You're you are right. Well, we have time for a few more callers. I know I'm getting a text from uh, one person who's listening, uh, also in Ohio, who wanted to know what what do you recommend they do for a you know to find a good booking agent. They have their project out; it's, it's done. Uh, they still didn't really get to hear your answer on what you recommended they do to find a good manager or a good booking oh, agent. Sure, sure. Um, it's regional. Every region has a good manager or two in that region. So if they email me their region or they say their region, I can probably call out, here's the manager, here's the booking agency you want to go with. It was my oh, wow. dream okay. when I was working with it was my dream when I was working with Phyllis Hyman to start a black booking agency. The only one we have really in the industry right now is I think Sierra out of Nashville, which is Roger mm-hmm. Holmes and Company. And Roger does great work. I don't have anything against Roger, but uh Roger's not an African American owned company. You know, we have William Morris, which takes mm-hmm. on the Kurt Franklins and the C.C. Winans, but we don't have a real strong black booking agency in gospel music. And I've always wanted to have one of those because we you need that as, as artists. You really need that in, to, to be able to help these artists. Our law office a lot of time will call. We represent about 40 or 50 ministries across the country. So a lot of times if we're representing a Stephen Hurd or V. Mike McKay or David Frazier or whoever, we'll call five or ten churches and say, hey, David's going to be on the West Coast. Can he come by and minister? Or David's going to be in, you know, in Connecticut for Easter. Can he stay over and do a song at your church? Because we realize there just isn't a lot of black booking agencies. Okie dokie. Marvin? Well, I, 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 the the booking thing was, is is great for the artist. I'm gonna be a little biased. I'm gonna ask a business question because I've been asking all the pivotal questions. I don't I don't own any Walmart stock. No more no more no no Walmart question. This is going to be we're going to, we're going to go to Kmart. So copyright copyrights. Um, a lot of people don't understand about copyrights. Uh, the difference between SR and PA, but I'm not going to ask you about the specific forms. I'm just going to simply ask you about the sharing. How do you pivot from sharing your music as an independent artist, which they we all do. We give for promotional use. You know, they'll use that line quickly. Hey, we're doing a promotional thing here. You should come because it's going to be a certain amount of people here. Don't charge us because we don't have any money or we don't have a budget. So they hit us with that a lot. So independent artists, how do you make that merge? How do you move business-wise from actually making a dollar to at, very, at the very least make, you know, making enough to pay for what you're doing? How do you make that pivot? First pivot is you get somebody out to negotiate for you. Don't negotiate for yourself. That's the first rule because it's hard for you to talk to the head of the deacon board at the AME wow. church and get $500 out of them. You know, and if and if negotiations get a little tenacious or a little, you know, chirpy, to use a safe, neutral, mid-America word, if they get a little chirpy, it's hard for you to then come in and perform because there's a stain like, oh, he was all tough in negotiations. You know, he got ugly. So put somebody in the middle of you, not necessarily to get ugly, but to do somewhat of the dirty work, which is negotiating. That's the first step. The first step. A lot of artists try to represent themselves or negotiate and broker for themselves, and they end up shooting themselves in the feet. 
Spotify. So that, what did she say? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. We just got a new message, and I'm getting messages. Good Lord, James, you're filling us up. Okay, I'm sorry, I guess. Um, the second part was after you, you know, bring someone else in, be realistic, look at the kind of money they're making as a venue. If they're making money, they should be able to give you something, you know. If it's a big concert or a big uh, Christmas play or pageant or something, and they're charging five, ten, twenty dollars a a pop, you just go to them honestly and say, "Look, these are my costs. I got a plane ticket, I got a hotel room, I got a band. I need this mm-hmm. covered at a minimum." And right. if I can't do that, you may just have to realize, "Look, I can't go in the pocket to do this mm-hmm. gig unless it's a gig where you feel you're going to move a lot of CDs. If right. it's a gig where you're going to come somewhere." and perform for 5,000 people and sell, you know, 1,000 CDs at $10 a pop, then it's worth you spending the eight $900 plus a hotel room. If it's a gig where you know they're going to be key pastors in the audience, you know, so-and-so church is installing <laughs> Kenneth Jr. as the head prelate, and you're going to have every pastor from D.C. to Vermont in that building that night, and they want you to come and be on the uh, showcase. You got to do that one. Right. You got to do that one. So. You know, these are just some ways, I mean, to answer your question about pivoting. Excellent, excellent. So get, get someone to uh, speak for you mm-hmm. and um, use um, the the special events that you have. Actually, I, what I'm hearing is you're you're saying show them that's where their money is going because exactly. that, that's important. I think that's, that's an important thing. I think we are in that, that – kind of uh, pivotal world where people want to know where their money's going. Even when it comes to our tithes, people like, I pay my tithes and offer. I need to know that it's going to the toilet tissue. So um, (laughs) that's that's important. So we're do that. Okay. Great. Great, great, great. You are, you are. Yeah, there are a lot of people in the chat room and they're saying they don't have questions because they're listening to you just expound on so much, and unfortunately, the questions they want to ask will keep you here longer than my show okay. will allow. But uh, people from Texas are, are writing in, people from Alabama. Man, I'm so grateful to you for being on this show. I really, really, really am. And uh, I just want to ask as our last question before we close uh, the show, you know, do you have any well, actually, you know what we were supposed to talk about, Marvin? We were supposed to ask him about his nonprofit organization and what he's uh, doing okay. coming up, what we can expect from him next. Okay. A uh, couple things. We're we're talking here in Atlanta. The mayor's my classmate from Howard, so we're discussing the possibility of bringing back our conference. As you know, for years we did the Urban Impact Summit, which was the number three or number four largest conference uh, in the country, if not definitely in the region of Connecticut and New York. We would take Bobby Jones' TV show and do a live recording, and it was just a whole week of just fun, live recording, panels, workshops. And it wasn't just another conference. We always, we always tried to tie in social issues like diabetes, high blood pressure, cancer. We'd had different think tanks going on during the daytime with political leaders, leaders, excuse me, mayors, governors, all type of figures. So we're thinking of bringing that to Atlanta. That's kind of the top thing on my agenda the other thing is we're getting ready to release a group called Livray out of New York, and they come through MBK, which is Alicia Keys' record label. It's their first wow. kind of foray into gospel, and the group is called Livray, L-I-V-R-E. We hosted them last year in Connecticut, and they're just a phenomenal group. 
produced by a client of mine named Sanchez Harley, who's done work for everybody you can think of. He's the one that discovered Risen. He's done Shirley Caesar and so on. Kirk Franklin, I can go down the whole list. But he's putting them out. And then we got Stephen Hurd's record coming out. And then uh, we're probably going to re-release Micah Stampley's album. So it's a ton of stuff going on. I'm trying to write a follow-up to the book with a technology angle to it and the Internet angle as well. And I'll probably resume writing for CNN and HLN in, in the spring. I was writing, doing a lot of writing for CNN, as you know, and I'm talking to them about resuming uh, my blog and columns that I was writing uh, for the past few years. Slap Wolf Blitzer, Slot 5, man. He is the coolest dude ever on CNN. Anderson <laughs> could be okay. But Wolf Blitzer is the coolest cat ever. <laughs> you like him doing the Dougie, huh? I do, man. He was dougie out, man. Now we got to get him to Dougie for Jesus on the A-track at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. I know that's right. Well, this has been a fantastic show. Again, man, I think I think next to uh, when we had Marcus D. Wiley from the Alana Adams Morning Show on, this actually I think this one is beaded. <laughs> so many people are listening, and man, I just want to thank everybody who took time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us tonight. And again, I urge you, admonish you, please go out and pick up this man's book. You know, oh, um, you. Mr. Henry Harris, and God bless him. Keep him in your prayers, everyone. He just lost his mom on this past Sunday. Oh, no. So, yeah, the homegoing services are tomorrow, oh, which I'm supposed to be oh, attending. No. We'll see, because that's a lot of gas money. I don't know if it's in my budget. See, I'm not seeming to be broke anymore, but I'll oh, no. But anyway, <laughs> well, you, go, you all go out and get Hey, you, you get there for Henry, and I'll send you a donation for the gas, because I know I can't get. Where is it in Maryland or Chicago? Where's the funeral? Portsmouth, Portsmouth, Portsmouth Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, I know I yeah. can't get there, but please, uh, wow! I will definitely reach out to him. Thank you for sharing that. Um, wow. Helpful to know. I didn't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. He's the chair of the Stellar Award Board. For those who don't know him, and just a good brother. Yep. He's a good brother who sold out for uh, the upliftment of gospel music in the gospel industry. I want to tell you, your listeners, that I'm at James L. Walker Esquire on Twitter. If they need to find me, James L. Walker Esquire. And then I'm also on Facebook, so they can find me under James Walker on Facebook. So I want to hear their questions and give them any feedback that we didn't get a chance to share tonight. Amen. And I have tweeted out to everybody, um, letting them know that you will be available on Twitter for the next half hour or so for any other questions that they might um, want to ask you. And uh, you are just amazing. I know I just keep saying that, but... Man, you know, I've come in contact with a lot of people in the industry, and some of them just are, well, I'll just say there's a a lot of politics. And sometimes it feels like high school because there's cliques and things like that, and you really, really do treat everybody the same. And I just, I'm in love. I'm in love. (laughs) Tanya, thank you. I, I can't, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you I'm undergirded by four beautiful kids, a loving wife, a loving mother, so... I can't take the credit for any of that. I have family that just supports everything I do. I'm sure there's somewhere in the house listening to this interview, and I'll get jabbed about it later on tonight. But you know, because <laughs> they keep it real. They keep you. They keep you humble, and they remind you. You know, hey, we know you're overweight. You know, you can do that interview, but we know you need to go to the gym. So they keep you kind of right there. So they remind you when you think you're Macy's, Marvin. They remind you that you're still a little, there's still a little Walmart in you. You're still a little Walmart. 
So that's gonna be my tag from now on on, on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Still a Walmart. That's right. We're gonna start that move up. It's gonna be hashtag Walmart. Bro. I'm putting it on Twitter right now. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, if you're just tuning into the music box, you missed an amazing interview. But never fear, James L. Walker, Gospel's leading entertainment lawyer, or just a lawyer, period, uh, will be available on Twitter. Again, his uh, handle on Twitter is at James L. Walker ESQ, just so you can tweet him up and ask him any questions that you might have been too afraid of uh, to ask. I know a lot of you texted me things, but some of these questions I don't even understand. So I couldn't even read them on the air. <laughs> but, James, thank you again. It's going on 930 at night, and I'm just so – you and I are going to be friends. It's true. It's true. You have no choice. You know, you've been officially boxed on the music box, and you will know me for the rest of your life, unfortunately. <laughs> well, praise God. As long as we're doing God's work. Marvin, are we going to get to go to Walmart together? You're going to come to Atlanta, pick me up? There's a Walmart up the street. Why you pick that's why I went to school at in Atlanta. So, you know, shout out to LaGrange, LaGrange College. Oh, yeah. Did you know the Harris brothers? You know the Harris brothers. Uh, Antipas, dude. Yeah. They all went to LaGrange. I graduated, with, uh, I graduated right after Alonzo. Uh, wow. Small world. I speak Tom, Tom uh, Stesty MC that I talked about. He went to LaGrange also. It's a small world. So small I'll be in Atlanta in March. So look out. Hey, we don't have to wait to wait to Black Friday, man. We can roll right, right up to Walmart on a Monday. That's right. You'll be a, you, a white you know Monday. That. A white That's Monday. right, brother. We don't have to wait to Black Friday. We just roll up on a white Monday. Oh, you know how I do. You know how I do. <laughs> See, well, Tanya get upset. Again, we didn't say Macy, yeah, so you know that Tanya ain't trying to go with us. On the, on the party, I'm, I'm offended that you're going to invite him mm-hmm. out to ATL, but not me. What's up with well, that? Walmart shoes. Now she knows she all woman, and she don't want no Walmart. That's not. Don't know Walmart. She's not doing Walmart. No, not at all. Well, all right. Well, all right, thank y'all, you um so much. Thank you, and I cannot wait for this follow-up book now. So when it's done, I know you're gonna let the whole world know, and I'll be the first person in line to make sure I get that book. Thank you so much, James. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Marvin. I look forward to uh, meeting you guys in person. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. Have a great night. And I will, Marvin, I'm definitely going to be looking for him uh, at the Stellar Awards. Can't wait to meet him in person. You know, he's so personable that you feel like you know him already. I feel like I've known him forever. Yes, he is a cool, and when he said he was a Walmart brother, he cool with me. That's it. He's cool with me. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> Man making bank and still humble enough to go to Walmart. And, you know, Walmart, Walmart is still a pretty good store. I don't forget what you heard. <laughs> yeah. Michelle Obama was, was in there. Say that again? Michelle Obama sure was in there, too. So, you know, Walmart That's must right. be good. First lady will walk up in the Walmart. <laughs> oh, gosh, I love my black people. I really do. Well, Marvin, we've come to a close of another show on the Music Box. I hate it when you're having so much fun. That's when it seems like the time goes by the fastest. One of our best shows ever. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and showing your support. I say this all the time to people who support independent artists, which we're really not independent. I, for one, am very dependent on God, my family, my friends, the TDL engine. Shout out to my volunteer team who helps keep me 
up, a, you know, afloat and chugging along, as well as to my manager, Miss Wanda Adams, out of the ATL. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Marvin, do you have any shout-outs? I can't play my shout-out songs because we uh, are out of time, but do you have any shout-outs? That's cool. A quick shout out. My wife will not cook food for me if I don't shout her out with her beautiful self. And everybody that's listening, hopefully Tanya invites me back. I really enjoy doing this. You can hit me up at Twitter, LDT03. Um, I'm also on Facebook uh, as Logic the Teacher. Man, I love it. Uh, hopefully I'll be back. And um, thank you. I'm humbled by your uh, invitation, Tanya. Thank you. Oh, no problem. We'll definitely have to do this again. Again, I'm going to sleep well tonight. I just, this book is amazing, you all. So, again, all those independent artists, upcoming artists, new artists, mid-level artists, whatever you call yourself, please, I beg you, go out and get this book. It's called The Business of Urban Music by our dear friend James L. Walker, Jr., Esquire. It's a great read. I'm almost done with it myself. And uh, shout-out to my hubby and my two chocolate brown little boys and everybody including my family at the living room uh, my church right here in Martinsburg West Virginia where Pastor Kevin and Beth Green are the shepherds of that church Marvin I think we are done for the night and I'm going to close out tonight's show with Hold On. Do you like do you like my current single Hold On? Hold On You know I'm buying You, you know I'm buying I put you on the spot Yeah you did You know I'm, I'm biased to dance with you Also <laughs> I know you are. Dance with you. Oh, trust me. I, I, well, you, you listen to the shows. I, I try not to play it uh, every show, but uh, that will be released as a single soon. And, uh, man, that song is a blessing as well. But, all right, folks, we enjoyed you on tonight again. I cannot thank them enough, Marvin, for tuning in. I just wish you could yeah, see the thank support. You, thank you. It's so past it's blinking. <laughs> so thank you guys for the love. All right, Marvin, well, kiss my two little babies for me and tell your wife I said hello. Well, good night, everyone. Yes, and to the rest of you, thank you so much for tuning in to the Music Box. Remember, we are on Rejoice America Radio every Wednesday from 7 to 9, so make sure you hang out with your girl, national recording artist Tanya Dallas-Lewis. Tweet, please tweet tonight, and please put in your hashtag, Walmart Brother as well as at James L. Walker, E-S-Q. Follow me on Twitter at Tanya D. Lewis, as well as Marvin at LCT03. We love y'all. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Oh,
Savior, no, you, 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 my 